Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode on a Friday, working ourselves through the minor prophet Malachi, and I have come to the ultimate decision that this will be the last minor prophet we do that is going to be open for the public. We will uh, now transition to some New Testament books, and we will finish the minor prophets and make them exclusive only to patrons. So if you enjoy the content that you're listening to, consider joining us on Patreon. You'll get exclusive content, including in-depth commentaries, direct access to me, Pastor Alex, and the community of like-minded individuals that share your love in Christ. Follow us all on social media or uh, select the link in the show notes for more information. Obviously, you're always welcome to DM me and throw any questions you may have at me about it, but we are going to put the rest of the Minor Prophets on the back burner, and we will come around to them eventually, probably in a couple of years, uh, as we work through the whole Bible, that's our goal, but we are going to jump into some New Testament works and spend some time looking at the uh, works that we will see either in the Gospel accounts or in the Book of Acts or by Paul's, Peter's, John's letters. We'll uh, come to a conclusion on that going forward. So we'll have this week of Malachi chapter two. Next week will be three. We'll be done with Malachi. Then we'll have our special intro episode, if you would, between this and the next topic. And then we'll go into uh, the, a, di- a different series, basically. So uh, the minor prophets, we will finish those as making them exclusive to patrons only. Uh, and then those will be made available down the road, uh, probably, like I said, in a few years to the public. So uh, one of the things I promised uh, last Friday to do is not to, you know, junk pile the front of the show with a whole bunch of commercials and commentaries and junk. So please take a look at the show notes. Uh, the biggest things, obviously, Logos and uh, Patron to help support this show. You can get a copy of Logos and go to logos.com forward slash undying light. Uh, if you're into fitness, you can check out Advanced Molecular Labs. They are some of the best uh, supplements on the market. I take a, a, a plethora of them when I go and lift lift weights. 
They are the best. I have yet to find anything that is better than them, and you can get yourself 25% off by using my code AlexZ25. That's in the show notes. Also, if you are considering your um, chemical makeup of your body and you feel like you're out of whack, go get your blood work done and get yourself fixed. You can go to primebody.com, type in my promo code uh, as an ambassador, Alex Zinc, all lowercase A-L-E-X-Z-E-N-K, and get your blood work ordered. Go and have a conversation with a doctor that Prime Body will assign you and you will not regret it. It has been the best year of my life. Uh, I told my wife the other day, I, I feel in the gym that I am 16 years old again, lifting like I did when I played football in high school, and it is just amazing. In fact, I'm on a break right now from the gym uh, due to a couple medical things, but I had just this past weekend hit the fastest time on the treadmill. Uh, I get on every morning, I throw it up to 12% incline, and I have a 40-pound weighted vest on me, and I go and try to get two miles, and I finally hit two miles in 37 and a half minutes. So that is that is a substantial improvement from where I was a month ago when I couldn't even do a mile in 30 minutes. So huge, huge jump in performance, and I am so thankful for Prime Body and AML for helping fund that. So you can check that stuff out in the show notes. Now, as I had mentioned, I am not going to con, uh, inflate the front half of this show with all that. We are working on creating some scripts and making these um, you know, announcements, if you would, a little bit shorter. So that's what I read earlier for the uh, patron. And we have the Logos one, which we'll probably do at some point uh, throughout the time. But you guys get it. You know that in the show notes, I keep all my stuff there. So we won't uh, continue conflating this. I want to get into the content and make your time worthwhile. So let's look at Malachi chapter 2. A quick recap, and we examined last week uh, a pretty hefty chunk of the time, focusing on the first few verses of chapter 1, the Lord's love for Israel. And we examined in a deeper understanding of the word hate that God demonstrates for Esau, Um, but we will also see the demonstration of God's love for all of his creation. And we looked at how the priests have polluted their offerings by offering, uh, you know, unworthy or blemished animals into the sacrificial system. And they have essentially corrupted and polluted the system. So now the Lord is rebuking the priests. This is going to open us in chapter two. And then we will have Judah profaned the covenant to close us out. So there is uh, 16 verses here in chapter two. Let's go ahead and read uh, the first nine, and then we will pick up and read the latter half here. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to your heart and give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay, lay it in your heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dong on your faces, the dong of offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. You shall know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I give them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and and uprightness, And he turned away from iniquity, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, 
and the people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from this way. You have cursed many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abashed before all people, insomuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So the Lord continues to just hammer on Israel. And this has been the you know general consensus through all of the um, the Old Testament when we deal with these minor prophets. Israel continuously is being rebuked for their sinful ways. And that has really been the common theme. And that's why one of the reasons why I find it time for us to move uh, into some other types of literature, because we've been just kind of hammering through a lot of the same repetitive nature. Israel's disobedient and God is going to send his wrath among them. And he's rebuking the priests here in this first opening portion And uh, Malachi, again, does not really hold back any words here, considering the fact that in these first couple of verses, we see that the Lord is going to spread dung on their faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. That's pretty, that's pretty dirty. You know, God has no time for uh, the insubordination of his priests, nor uh, the corruption that they have brought to his name. as he addresses the priests here in the O priests, the Lord continues his condemnation of uh, Jerusalem's worship leaders. Uh, the command used again here in verse four refers to what the priests should be doing. So verse four, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand says the Lord of hosts. That is the command given in verse four uh, in verse two, not uh, honor to my name. The nations would honor the Lord's name, uh, verse 111, but the priests despised it, and they are sent to curse. The judgment for sin is curses, as noted in Deuteronomy 28.15. Uh, this is repeated three times, continuing the thought of verse 14 from chapter 1. The blessing that God is referring to, the priest's duty was to bless the people, is number 623 through 27 state. The Lord cursed even this blessing, and we see... Uh, right here where John Huss states this, he says the priest who binds and loosens others ought himself to be prudent and just for otherwise he will put to death the souls who do not die and revive souls, which do not live in this way. He turns his power of pronouncing judgment into an instrument of cursing. This is from the church page 104. Uh, The priests do not take the Lord's commands seriously. The priests have suffered the sins of their fathers, as 1 Samuel chapter 2, 27 through 26 state. And then the uh, interesting conversation of dung, uh, the intestinal contents of the animals slaughtered for sacrifice. The spreading of dung on the faces uh, is God's way of expressing disdain for his priests. That's a pretty strong disdainment, if you would. Uh, The life and peace in verse 5, the Old Testament priests were to bring spiritual life and peace to God's people, as we've noted from Numbers 25 and Deuteronomy 30, a proper worship and vindication of the Lord. They were to be the messenger of the covenant that uh, the Lord had established with Levi. The priestly covenant was designed to bring blessing to the people of Israel. They were not to uh, 
turn their backs on the Lord, which they have done. And that is why Malachi is writing this. And in reality, what we will see too in the New Testament is the same disobedience because they're more focused on their outwardly appearance and their self-proclaimed righteousness than they are actually honoring uh, Christ and his word. And so it's not a long, you know, section of verses, but you know, it, it, it's very strong in its language and how it's conveying this particular message. Uh, they were to guard knowledge and hold it carefully, protect it from error, to preserve it among the people, but they do not. The priests and the prophets have chosen to uh, stand against the Lord, even though they were the spokesmen for the Lord of hosts. They have chosen to pollute the sacrificial system, and they've chosen to turn their backs on God. Um, in verse 8, it states that very statement, but you have turned aside. God's condemnation for the current priesthood resumes. They were not measuring up what an idol priest should be. Contrast to walking back in verse 6, which means now they are stumbling. So to summarize these nine verses, the Lord condemns the priests of Malachi's day for failing to live up to the expectations he presented in his word. God has similar requirements for his pastors and teachers today, as Paul writes in Titus 1.9. How blessed are those who have such servants of the Lord, and how important it is for us to pray that we that they remain faithful to their calling, for we all need what a devoted Christian leader proclaims: repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Christ our Lord. I I can't ex I can't, I can't pronounce it or exclaim it enough that you you should be praying for your pastor, praying for those that are spiritual leaders in your life, because we are constantly under attack. We are under pressure by our church, our congregation, the community. We are constantly being pushed and pulled in every direction, and the stress and the amount of uh, spiritual weight that's placed upon us is immeasurable. So please do yourself a favor, and at least on Saturday nights, pray for your pastor for Sunday morning, and maybe once or twice through the week because they need it. And and that's how you can show your love for your pastor by praying for him. And you you can you can uh, confidently go in front and say, you know, I've been praying for you. I hope. You know, the Lord is uh, showing his grace and mercy to you. And, you know, I really am appreciative of all that you have done and taught. And so that is my my whole position, um, because the weight of the Lord places on us preachers is is considerable. And it's demonstrated here his wrath upon those who uh, abuse his scripture. Now, it's interestingly enough. That in the modern church, we see such heresies and uh, defamation and defamation and all of these terrible atrocities occurring in the church. And we are basically sitting back saying, oh, yeah, it's God's, uh, you know, long, you know, long held mercy. And he's so, you know, loving and, you know, God is building up wrath and that wrath will be demonstrated for those when Christ returns. And his building up wrath, as Peter writes in Second Peter 2, is going to be poured out heavily amongst the false teachers and heretics and, and false uh, Christs and the Antichrist and all that stuff. So please, if you come across, you know, videos or, or anything in, in loving context, 
share the gospel because somebody may actually see it and be like, oh, yeah, this just doesn't sound right, does it? And they may be saved out of it. I, I only can hope and pray for that. So pray for your pastor because we are always under the pressures of, you know, the trying to convey a message that, uh, you know, is going to offend people because that's just what the gospel does. But also we need to stand in in opposition to the world that is constantly being opposed to Christ in his word. So give us strength, pray for us to have strength. And that is my only request from you. But uh, let's see what here in these latter verses of chapter two, uh, actually, excuse me, um, there is a seventeenth verse, so there's seventeen verses. But that verse kicks off part of chapter three, so I don't think we'll get into it. We'll probably read it, but then we'll use it in context for next week's show. So, because uh, we get the messenger of the Lord, and that's where we'll get some uh, great Christological prophecies come uh, come to. Verse ten. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and the abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah was was profaned in the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and he has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob, any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your mouth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a spirit, with a portion of the spirit of their union? And what was that? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves and your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord of God, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself and your spirit and do not be faithless. So interesting. Let's just read verse 17. But like I said, we'll, we'll, carry that into the context of chapter three next week. Uh, the Lord goes on. He says, you have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, have, have we not wearied him by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, but he delights in them or by asking, where's the God of justice? So then we go into the context of chapter three with, uh, with the messenger being sent. And as I'd mentioned, we won't dig into all of that. Uh, we will wrap chapter four, uh, it's just very short. It's only six verses. We'll use that into next week as well. So we'll only spend a couple of weeks on this uh, book. Uh, chapter four is going to have a lot of similarities to what we've read elsewhere in the Old Testament with the day of the Lord. So we will use that uh, in next week's show as we uh, wrap up Malachi. So we begin this portion with the one father, one God being created Malachi begins the third part of his prophecy with two uh, rhetorical questions about marriage and foreign wives. God is the father who created humans, Deuteronomy 32.6. In marriage, he unites husband and wife as one, uh, as indicated in Genesis 2.24. Luther says this. He says, These are two outstanding statements for correcting the cruelty of husbands, namely, 
If they look at their wives as God's creation and as women who have a God in common with them, their faithless refers to the lack of commitment and fidelity in marriage. And this is exactly what we are seeing demonstrated, not just here in Malachi's time, but throughout all of the church age, that the faithless continue to disregard their commitments, not only to their families, but to the call that the Lord has given them. They have treated God's covenantal law with disrespect. And more or less, especially now that we are no longer under the covenantal law, we are abusing and disrespecting the words and promises of Christ by living a life that is attracted to sin. And that is uh, evident by the deconstruction in the evangelical church today. We, it's, it's all over the place. Everybody is deconstructing because, oh, I was told this when I was younger and I, I can't believe it now. Love is love is love is love. And it's, there's no rightful understanding of God and his commandments and his love and his mercy for people. Instead, it's the, I want to be accepted and feel good about my new message. And therefore I reject the God of the Bible who all, he's just only hate, hateful. No, God is hateful to those who disrespect him. He is hateful to those who mock and ridicule him. He's hateful to those who live a sinful and destructive life against him. Uh, but he shows much love and mercy to those who do love him. So the Old Testament is an interesting uh, construct of God's building of the nation of Israel. And he does so through the correction and, and uh, of discipline through his to his children when they are disrespectful when they uh, live and turn to their sinful ways so they have turned their minds and turned their uh, actions away from God and have deconstructed and this is again as I mentioned the big movement in the evangelical church uh, because they just don't see uh, the reality that God has presented to his book and I always, in his book, The Holy Bible, um, I always kind of convey it like this. When we see people deconstruct, uh, there's generally something that caused that, whether it was a personal trauma or maybe a little bit of persecution or something that had kind of jolted or startled them into thinking, boy, I really can't hold on to this. I have no firm foundation in who Christ is. And so I, I can, I, can I, 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 I point it back to the parable of the sower and the seed that springs up really quick and they do some great things for the church, but then the hot sun comes and withers the plant away. And I do that because that's exactly what Jesus tells us when he explains the parable later in Mark chapter four, but the parable of the sower is, is, you know, evident so frequently in today's church because we have so many people who are big Christians. They come up and they do all these wonderful things. And then something happens and they fall away from the faith. They renounce their faith. They give up their salvation. They have rejected the gift. They've tasted the goodness that God has given and have rejected it. So in uh, verse 11 here, we'll continue on. They, um, the abomination that has been committed, the prophet charged the people with doing something horrible, completely opposite of what is, uh, what is good. They profaned the sanctuary by continuing to worship the Lord while living in sin, they show disrespect to the temple. And then he goes on to marrying the daughter of a foreign god. This is uh, echoed in Deuteronomy 7.3, where God's law prohibits marriage to unbelievers. This 
law has been violated after the return from exile from Ezra 9.12. The New Testament provides similar warnings, as Paul indicates in 2 Corinthians 6.14 and 1 Corinthians 7.12-16 for those already married. Malachi expresses the wish that the Lord would exclude the community of Judah, those who continue to bring offerings and yet were married to idolaters. Uh, this Verse 13, the second thing, evidently some were guilty of divorcing their Israelite spouses to marry foreigners. These people wept when they brought their sacrifices to the Lord's op- altar because he would no longer regard their offering as indicated in Genesis 4-5 with Cain and Abel. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus even makes a point to it in Matthew 19 when he talks about divorce and he says that Moses gave the, the men of Israel a means to divorce their wives. And <clears throat> what we're seeing here is that's being explicitly demonstrated throughout the Old Testament where they are abusing this. And they're, they're leaving their Israelite women for women of another nation, women of another god the unbelievers and then and then they weep and mourn when they come to the altar because they know God is not going to honor their sacrifice they he does not have any regard for their offerings that he's bringing them and Jesus makes this comment that if you know in terms of divorce that Moses gave you this but this wasn't the original intention the original original intention from for marriage was one was the husband and wife were to become one flesh and it was to be until either of them pass away. It was not to just be until one gets bored or one finds somebody who's a better looking spouse. It that it has nothing to do with any of that. And especially here in the West, we have this wonderful little, you know, court system that has deemed deemed it possible to divorce somebody simply for stating irreconcilable differences. Ah, oh, I can't get along with her. I'm gonna divorce her. That's just ridiculous. It's unbiblical and it's ridiculous i have other stronger words to use but we won't say them on the show i uh, i'll admit this i am the uh i'm the outcome of divorced parents my mom and father divorced when i was very little and then my mother remarried to my my dad who i would consider to be my dad my father uh he has raised me from you know about two and a half three uh until you know it's still today and I consider him to be my dad because he was there through all the hardships and victories that I had as a youth, but my parents divorced. And, and I would say that, you know, especially in my mother's earlier life, she probably wasn't a believer. Uh, even though they went to church, uh, growing up, I, I don't really know too much about her extents on faith at that age, but you know, divorce is a commonality in the American church. And so we have to understand it in two, two manners. One, we cannot ridicule somebody because they got a divorce. In fact, I've got great friends uh, in my church who are, uh, who have both have been divorced and then have found their significant other, their you know spouse and are living that life in Christ. Now, divorce is not an unforgivable sin. Divorce is not a sin that uh, you know, would be determined by Christ to, well, you're done, you're out of the kingdom. No. In fact, what divorce is going to do is it's going to leave baggage and, and some damage for people. And it's, and it's messy. It's never easy. Uh, there's never, you know, the clean divorce now, unless you, unless you're in Hollywood where everybody just gets married and divorces a, a couple of days later, 
you know, I'm talking traditional marriages, you know, for me and my wife, we've been married over 15 years and we've been together for 19 and a half. Uh, I couldn't fathom a life without her. In fact, we, we have these discussions every once in a while. Um, and we did so last night before we went to bed about what would happen if the other, either of us passes while our kids are still young. I mean, my son turns one tomorrow and my daughter's four and a half. So if, if either of us pass, we, we have a lot of weight on our backs because our kids are just so young. It might not be so hard later in life when they're a little bit more, you know, self, uh, driven than, than in this current moment. And so we, you know, we, we talk about that, but we don't certainly look at, you know, ever wanting to leave each other because we built a relationship on the foundation of Christ as being the center of our marriage. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm not the best uh, spiritual leader there is, you know, even being a pastor, I find myself, con- you know, being torn this way and that way with certain obligations and responsibilities for the church and having to get certain things done when I would rather be spending time with my family. Those things are just come, will come in time as, as I learn to balance my life out better, uh, taking on this new responsibility, even new as I am approaching my two year mark, it's still new to me. Because in the greater scope of the next 30 some years of my life, this is the beginning, you know, weeks of that new job, that new career, that new life that Christ has called me to. And the responsibility that he has placed upon my back as being a spiritual leader, not only in my family, but to a community, to a, to a group of believers, that is the responsibility God has given me. And what we see in this passage here in the end of chapter two is the disdain for that responsibility. And they have gone on and done things that are, uh, you know, unconventional to, uh, to believers. And we, we see that this is common, you know, not just here in Malachi's time, but throughout the New Testament and the church age, uh, even, you know, and, and, and I kind of would, I would kind of see how the Catholic church had prevented uh, pastors or, or priests or bishops from, from marrying because it, you know the sexual sin can lead to a destructive nature. However, because the prevention of marriage happens, lust and other sin uh, come out. And so it becomes such a dirty mess down the road for the Catholic Church, as we have seen today with pedophilia being uh, evident throughout the Roman Catholic Church and even into some Protestant circles, depending on uh, the areas that you're examining. It's it's everywhere. The nature of man is sinful and it's, and it's destructive. That's the reality we face. So let's summarize these, uh, handful of verses, uh, 10 through 16. The people of Israel were guilty of breaking one of the covenant of covenant laws by marrying foreign idolatrous wives. The creator's first command to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply Genesis 1:28. After creating Eve, the Lord brought her to Adam and instituted marriage. He spoke the sixth commandment to guard this union, Exodus 20, 14. Yet throughout history, humans have violated God's rules for marriage. Christians today violate God's will concerning the marriage and relationship in various ways. We need his forgiveness. We absolutely need it. With the command of blessing of marriage, the Lord provides a rich portion of his spirit who is faithful and keeps us in good faith. So we need that. We need the forgiveness of Christ to to be present and demonstrate. And that is why I just, I continuously, I continuously advocate for you to get off your butt and go to church. And I pray that if you are listening to the show, that you are active in church on a, on a regular basis, because it's, it's one of those things that 
will bring you greater fulfillment in life. And, and I hope that you can take the opportunity and partake in a local congregation and, and and immerse yourself in good law gospel preaching. So listen up folks. I love you all. And I can't thank you enough for listening to the show. You guys are instrumental in what I do. Uh, we do off offer something I don't generally talk about too much on the show, but a great way to support us is to grab some uh, undying light merch and you can literally wear whatever verse you want. If you have a particular uh, Bible verse that means much more, we have Psalm 119.105 on the back of our shirts. If you want something that's customizable, send me a DM and I'll get you a print with that Bible verse on it. And then on the front, we have the Undying Light logo. It's a great conversation starter. It's a great way to share the gospel. It's a great way to wrap your favorite podcast. And even if I'm not your favorite podcast, it's a great way to help support this show. And uh, and I hope that you can do so. You can get shirts, sweatshirts, all sorts of different apparel, and even hats uh, we have available. We have a whole bunch of stuff. Links are in my bio, so go check them out. DM me with any questions. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Get yourself to church on Sunday. Immerse yourself in the divine service. And I pray that you will be able to partake in the Holy Sacrament this Sunday, which is the uh, 18th, I believe. I'm trying to find what day of the week. Yep, the 18th. Uh, we will be um, having a baptism, two baptisms in our church. I'm very excited about that. I love to be able to welcome in uh, people into the covenantal family of God through the sacrament of baptism. And uh, so hopefully you'll be able to partake in the Lord's Supper. If not, then enjoy the divine service and make sure that you are paying attention to the service, to the sermon, and hearing the gospel being proclaimed to you that Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week and God bless. We'll see you later. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.